welcome to the Magic Musicals and Theatre Podcast. And my guest this week is Craig Revel Horwood. the dressing room that I, I've been in this dressing room before actually because I was in this dressing room when I interviewed Miranda when she was in Annie and I'm in the same dressing room again now but I have a different person to interview it's quite different actually playing the same part as Miranda p- played but I have to say you wouldn't think in a casting oh Miranda's not available I know let's go for Craig Revel Horwood yeah. <laughs> that would uh, it's 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 odd but then I did play the part before Miranda. She took over for me, to be honest. <laughs> That's right. You so, played it on tour, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I played it on tour and originated it with this particular company and with this set and the whole sort of uh, So thing. it's your part? Well, it was, yes. But, of course, I was not available for the West End. Cause I'm far too busy. Too darling. busy. <laughs> but, um, too busy. But thankfully, ten weeks became available when Miranda was leaving. So it was really wonderful to uh, reinvent it again you know after having some time off the part it was great to come back and uh make it better you know it's a great it's great to have an opportunity to revisit i think uh all your roles you know because you always find something about the role that um you didn't know before <laughs> mm. and there's always other ways to play it and it was wonderful uh so uh it's like coming home and it's just wonderful to be back in the west end in in a lead and i'm really really loving it i love the part i love miss hannigan she's a misunderstood creature i think you know and a wonderful wonderful woman however i mean she does go to the dark side quite a lot in the show and i rather enjoyed that and it's great playing someone, you know, a villain. I think they're more interesting parts to play. I mean, I do that at Panto. Of course, every year I play a villain, either it be Hook or the Wicked Queen in Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which, of course, I'm going to be um, doing in Southampton this year. Right. But um, Which is why you're doing a limited season here. Yes. Because yeah, you're off to do Panto. Here. Yeah, otherwise yeah. I would have run until all through Christmas, which mm. I would have enjoyed immensely because it's less learning, mm. <laughs> number one, over Christmas. But, uh, and it's probably, well, it's a, it, they're different parts because one, in Panto you can break the fourth wall and I have to be Craig Revel Hallwood. In Annie, I'm Miss Hannigan and I yep. have to play her for real. So, yeah, it's a proper part. Yeah, it's a proper, proper part, which I absolutely love. And I've enjoyed the last seven weeks, having three weeks left now to um, play her. So I'm just going to enjoy every minute of it. And who thought of a man playing the role of Miss Hannigan? Because as you say, in Panto, that's that's traditional, we do that. Yes. Mean, the Americans think we're very weird for it, but we do, we do do it in Britain. Yeah. But I, I, I had never thought of it, I mean, I saw this with Sheila Hancock years and years and years yes. ago. So I'd never thought of it as being played by a man. No. And I don't think that is the point. I think anyone can, any actor can play any gender it just depends on what you can do I sing I dance I act and um, as women you know I have the right of course to be called actors you know and fought for that I think it's important that um, we can all play any parts that opens up you know a whole host of casting for women as well to play men now I think you're the first choreographer that we've had on our musicals and theatre podcast. We've mm. talked to a lot of performers, we've talked to directors, writers, 
don't think we've ever had a choreographer um, on. And I, I, there was a few questions I want to ask sort of specifically about that. So why do you think certain dancers, because you were a dancer originally, yes, yes trained in Australia as, as a dancer, we all watched Who Do You Think You Are? Yes. Um, or, or Who Are You, as I used to call it. Anyway, um, <laughs> why do you think certain dancers become choreographers? What, what, what leads you from, from just being a performer to, yes. to choreographing? I think... The main, the reason why I became one is because I was beginning to have injuries. Also, you're up against 16-year-olds. I was 30 at the time, and I was auditioning for shows. And you'd have to do a tap routine, a classical routine, a jazz routine, and then you know any other combination that they would want you to do. Then you sing, and then you act, and do all of that. And then when you're up against, when you're dancing up against at 30, dancing up against 16-year-olds, you feel like a grandfather. You know, and the, the legs, you know, the legs around you are going higher and faster, and <laughs> and it's uh, really difficult. And I thought, what am I going to do? I can't dance forever. Uh, it's a limited thing because your body will run out, you know, in time, mm. like any footballer. Yeah, I was going to say, and football the same. is the same football. thing. Career is exactly. short. Exactly, the yeah. career is short, and also for sprinters, also for tennis players. You know, you're not going to get someone 60 still doing it and being at the top of their game. So you do have to consider that. And a lot of dancers forget that when they start out because you have high hopes that you're just going to dance forever because it's something that you want mm. to do and love. So uh, I decided uh, intellectually to make that decision and before my body completely gave out because I was having knee injuries, shoulder pains and all of that sort of stuff. And I just thought, this is crazy. I need to do something else. And then I was offered... Uh, to put on a show for Susan Stroman called Crazy Few in South Africa. And I thought maybe this is my opportunity to see whether I like going on the other side, you know, to sit in the dark and direct and choreograph. And I uh, re-choreographed her show using her material and absolutely loved working with the company in South Africa and fell in love with being that side of it where you can actually love, nurture, embrace people in the arts and make them the stars. And, uh, and to have an enormous amount of creative freedom. And uh, then I did a show called Pal Joey at Chichester Festival mm. Theatre. And that uh, really put me on the map as a choreographer because that was something I, where I could just do uh, by myself and be responsible for all of the dancing. And there was, a, there was wall-to-wall dance that, in that show. And I absolutely loved it. Of course, I earned no money that year, you know, because I was setting up myself, you know, from dancing to become a choreographer. So you have to do, you know, work, arty, farty type work for very little money and to become known. And I got, I received great reviews and then other producers seemed to be interested uh, in taking me on. And uh, that's where it all started. And then I went, I just kept working and it was just amazing. And then... After about 10 years, I decided that um, I would like to direct as well. And uh, I did that. We can hear some background yes. noise of cast and warming yes, up. Probably will, children, yes. probably any children. Yes, we'll be hearing... Orphans, little orphans. Yeah, we're hearing strains yes, of tomorrow yes, soon. Yes, but yes, yes, you will hear that. It's all coming through the tannoy, so, darling, which means it's getting closer to showtime. Yeah. Do you like sort of nurturing the less able dancer in your choreography? Yes, I think you're only as good or you're only as strong as your weakest link. You know, uh, the weakest dancer in your company, you have to gear towards them and try and push them up to a certain standard. And I don't think you can really uh, do much more than that. You know, uh, when I'm casting, I try and cast as evenly as possible with people that are just incredible. You know, and that's the beauty about what I do 
uh, in the theatre as opposed to what I judge on Strictly Come Dancing, for instance, because I'm lumped with the people that yep. are coming on that and I don't have any choice <laughs> in casting. Lumped with is a very good way yes, of putting it. Yes, they are a yes. bit lumpy. Yeah. But, <laughs> but um, still, I don't get a choice. And I'm a judge on that. I'm not a love, nurture, embrace teacher or mm. choreographer on it. You know, I, I just have to be there and then see dance for one minute 30 and then have to um, decide on it, whether it's good or bad. Mm. And hopefully give them advice for the following week. And I do a similar thing, I suppose, as a director choreographer. You know, I'm correcting people all the time. I'm giving them notes. I'm making their performances better. And that's the whole point. You know, you want the person that's in your show on stage to stand out and be absolutely the best they possibly can be. Like any coach of any sport would do. You know, you don't want to be like. But are to you a bit kinder to your cast than you are to the contestants? Well, I've employed them, you see, and yes. I love them already okay. for what they can do. Right. It's my job to make sure that they don't let themselves down or let me down. Because my name's on it. Because otherwise they might be crying in their dressing room. Yes, well, no one wants that. No. Although that happens on Strictly a lot. <laughs> um, you, we also, well, I saw your Who Do You Think You Are? Of course, yes. you, you, you were brought up in Australia and the yes. programme took you back to Australia and you came over to London because that's where the opportunities were. Absolutely. Do you think there are now more opportunities back in, say, Sydney or whatever? Would you ever go back and work there? Well, times, times have changed. And yes, of course, I'd love to go back home and work in that respect in the theatre as a choreographer or a director in any sort of way shape or form and even I would go back as a performer but um, the theatre gigs are limited there because there's only a certain amount of people that will go and see the theatre unlike here where you get a lot of travellers coming through mm. you know people from abroad uh, who come to the West End specifically to see big shows you know in the West End uh, in, in Sydney and Melbourne in Australia they're limited runs you're lucky to get six months out of a show. Right. So um, in answer to your question, yes, I'd go back if I had the opportunity and the time. And I generally spend six weeks of the year there anyway, just on holiday seeing my mm. family. So, um, so I do get my fill of Australia, although mm. not necessarily working there. And you talked about suffering from anorexia and yes. uh, when you were, when you were younger. Yes. And I worked with dancers thirty years ago, and I have to say, weight was an, a massive issue for the dancers. Yes, yeah, always. Do you is. think it's still? Uh, do you think that situation's improved at all? I or think do you it's think improved a lot because nowadays people that are trained are taught balanced nutrition. And we were ne in my day, we were never taught about that. You just had to be thin. You just had to be toned thin and look amazing, you know. And uh, no one wanted to be fat. <laughs> uh, I guess there is a good reason for that, because you're on stage, you know, uh, flaunting your body about. And especially if you're in skimpy costumes, you know, you don't want sort of fat hanging over your G-string, do you? <laughs> you know, so people do get paranoid. And I think mm. that does make you even more paranoid. I just remember, I, I, I thought I was fat, but I had, you know, body dysmorphia in that way. I, I would look at myself and I was extremely thin when I looked back at the photos, but always thought that I was fat. I'd only look at the fat bits, you know. And, mm. um, and then I, I went on a diet of less, lettuce leaves for two weeks. It was like ridiculous, absolutely stupid when I look back at it, but I was paranoid and... And, and not wanting to get fat, always wanting to think that I needed to be thin. But actually, nowadays, um, bodies have changed in the industry as well. Certainly commercial dancers, all the blokes are all pumping iron now and on high-protein diets. They're huge, yes. look, Yeah, they're huge. They've got big muscles. They've got to have a six-pack. They've got to have pecs. Mm -hmm. They've got to have biceps. They've got to have lats, you know, and they've got to be toned and amazing-looking now, you know, to be a commercial dancer. Ballet 
dancers generally stay the same size because uh, you're dancing eight hours a day and that doesn't let up and you have a ballet body, you know, and you can't be too bulky in ballet. And um, and as I was a commercial dancer, sort of in shows like West Side Story, you know, it would have aided me to have a bit of muscle on me. But I did manage to learn about nutrition later on when I was about 22, 23, and went to the gym, really studied the body and proteins and all of that. And um, and then I was going on stage naked in a, in a play. So I felt paranoid about that, but I didn't want to be skinny, skinny, skinny. I wanted to be muscular. So the only way I went to a gym and the only way they said, I'm going to, they said, you are way too thin. You need to start eating a lot and also training a lot. And I did. And that sort of worked. And and I felt much, much better about myself. I became more more and more confident and uh, became a better dancer for it and a better person for it and then got over that. But I still... I think you live with that issue for the rest of your life. We all do. All well, when you're in a, when you're in a job when that is see, about your body, yeah. Basically. When you see people ex-dancers uh, that you haven't seen for, like, say, ten years, which I do, they'll the first thing they'll say, "Don't look at my body. Don't look at my weight. I know I put on weight." You know, the yeah. first thing they say to you is that. So uh, people still have those issues, I think, you know, and you live with them. You just learn to you learn to deal with them, I think, in a different way, and learn to not torture yourself you know mm. and i have sort of learned to do that and if you do eat a balanced diet and exercise the weight doesn't actually go on but i think a, a lot of dancers who have danced up into 30 35 are really sick of dieting are really sick of exercise they don't want to dance ever again and mm. then they eat the same amount that when they would normally be burning up calories and that's why footballers yeah, rugby athletes, players athletes yeah, all yeah. turn to blubber don't they yeah because you know, they're used to burning yeah, 5,000 calories yeah, a day and then and they're not burning 5,000 yeah, calories quite. a day. So, so it is a dilemma, I think, in that respect. Yeah. But thankfully I got over the anorexia bit. You know, I was never bulimic. I tried to do that, but I just couldn't bring myself and all the dancers it. i knew used smoking as a way of i mean yeah. they chain smoked because oh, yeah. that was that yeah. was a way of eating of suppressing the appetite absolutely not absolutely. not recommended has no. to be said especially <laughs> especially as you need your lungs when you're a dancer right. i mean dancers are fitter than any athlete if you do if you look at the test oh, the yeah. dancer comes out top yeah. of any you know like triathletes yeah, or anyone there yeah. yeah in various different ways mm. you know and it's very disciplined so when you became a judge on strictly Actually, how did you become a judge? Did you audition to be a judge on Strictly? Or I did had they a choose? Test. Okay. Yeah, they they whittled people down to the people that they wanted to see, and uh, I just received a phone call, and then my agent said, "Oh, you've really got to take this call. You know, it's an exciting new project for BBC One, and it's about dance and it's judging." And I said, "All right, well, I'll have a phone call about it." And then I literally just had a very quick phone call, ten-minute phone call, where they rattled off some questions about what I would say in certain situations and then from that phone call they said they'd like to see me you know up at the Beeb for a screen test so I raced up there on the lunch break and did a screen test and I was just literally looking at a little monitor and uh, had to comment on it and they said uh, that's great you know because I was saying uh, you know it was terrible what I was saying I said the woman can't even walk down the stairs let alone dance when she gets onto the dance floor I said I don't know who that boy but that's is that's why we love you I said I don't know who that boy is but he's got the bowest legs I've ever seen in my life if he's a professional dancer I'll eat my hat and then um, and then of course uh, they said oh can you sum the whole dance up you know that I just viewed in three words and I said yes dull 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 darling 
And that were the first three words out of my mouth because the first show on Strictly was scripted. Obviously, um, well, no one knows that. (laughs) (laughs) They do now. (laughs) Yeah, they do now. But it was scripted. And then uh, we changed that later on. But, of course, the couple that I was talking about on that monitor turned out to be Natasha Kaplinsky and Brendan Cole, who went on to win the series. (laughs) So what do I know? (laughs) You see, now, there's always a scandal in Strictly, and we've recently had the massive scandal of the Aston story. And, and I I mean, I, I loved him. And then I heard what you said, which was that if we didn't vote for him, yeah. then we couldn't expect him to still be there. And yeah. I hold my hand up. It is entirely my fault. I yeah. didn't vote. I didn't yeah. get on my telephone. No one that, did. And, but the good thing is, because Gabby Logan tweeted, and um, she is, a, a, I know Gabby, and as she yeah. said, it, it only takes 10 years to get over that. Yeah. Um, that disappointment of being voted off as she was before her husband, who yeah. could, couldn't dance. Yeah, let's face and it. I tried to um, save Gabby, I believe, and then the, other judges, yeah, yeah. the other judges voted yeah. for someone so else. So presumably, well, it'll all come out in the wash, won't it? It'll all be fine in the end. And yeah, Strictly's of about having a scandal, isn't it? Yeah, but it, I always middle? stand by my scores as well. There's no, you know, there's a lot wrong with Aston's Viennese walls, but people love His him. costume. That well, was wrong. That it didn't suit it. No, no. You know, for the people at home, I don't think they were voting to be probably because of that. But that's not my job to comment on on that particular thing. But it's when the music and the piece and the choreography don't all come together and mm. make it wonderful. You know, he's a fantastic dancer, and I was pegging him for the final. Definitely, yeah. I love watching him dance. And out of the two, out of Molly and Aston, Aston is the better dancer. But unfortunately, the rules being the rules. The judges can only vote, not on past or previous things that have occurred, or ability or talent in that way, mm. which I would love to do, because I would say, I think the most talented dancer is, but they had a bad week, Aston, yeah. and I could have saved him. But we had to vote on merit on the night, on that one minute 30 of dance. And sadly, for Aston, that was his dilemma and downfall. You know, if, it, if he had have had another dance... That was amazing, but then he probably wouldn't be in the they dance off anyway. The so, it was do just you a mix a lot with the contestants? Do you do you become friends with them, yes. or do you keep yourselves quite separate? Uh, as separate during the show, but I become friends with people after the event, after they've gone yeah. out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think, uh, and generally on tour because I do the Strictly Come Dancing. I was going to ask you about the tour, which you're doing next year. Yes. yes, and what I do there is direct it and. Choreograph, well, choreograph bits of it. Jason Gilkinson does the majority of the choreography. I do the choreography for the singers and stuff. And um, I'm, we see it, we're all in the same hotel, so we see each other. You know, we go to the bar. And after do you and judge on the Strictly Live tour? I've yeah. never been to the Strictly Live no, tour. It's so, great. so every night you judge. Yeah. Well, something. And they goes do the wrong same dance. And they you do the same judge, dance. Right. And generally, they get better and better and better. So if they start mm. on a four, they generally end up on an eight. Yes. By the end of yeah. I would hope so. <laughs> Which is funny. Uh, yes. No, it is good because they do the same dance 40 times. Yeah, well, they should know yeah. it by the end. Yeah, at least, they at least they're not the falling end. over and doing the wrong steps. No, exactly. No. Although I mean, that does happen. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's why it changes. That, you know, our marks will, our scores will change and also our, you know, what we say about the dance will change mm. daily. So that's always good fun. I'm going to ask you a couple of general musical questions, if that's all right. Um, what is your favourite musical of all time, whether you've been in it or not? Um, my favourite musical of all time... It's probably West Side Story because I've had a long career with that particular show. It was my first show ever. as the first uh, musical I ever did professionally. I was 17 and as soon as I joined that show, the closing notice went up on the board so I had two weeks in it. But then I got to, um, but then I, it, it led to other things and it taught me a lot, you know, about dance, about acting through dance. And uh, 
and I discovered a you know a huge passion for that score as well, and then mm. went on for four years to be resident director on it in the West End, also uh, several tours around the UK. That and it's so beautifully written. It's so mm. minimal in in dialogue, you know, but maximal in effect. It's just wonderful, just so and a beautiful score, and wonderful to dance too. Mm. Uh, also, another favourite is the Culture Fall because that. Uh, taught me, I guess, how to dance as a woman as well, because we have to dance as men in it, but dancing as a woman is very, very different, how to work in heels, because you're beveling, you're a lot more... Beveling. Beveling is where one knocks one knee in and uh, creates a beautiful hourglass line, a Chanel line. I'm you probably um, no. no your face me. says it You've all, darling. Yeah, your right. face I, is I saying thought it beveling all. was something that went round like a glass mirror. <laughs> well, it but does. Beveled, yeah. But a beveled. I didn't know is, it could apply to knees. Yes, it does. I'm going to go away and turns, think about that. Yeah, it turns your knee in. <laughs> I'll demonstrate with you later, darling. As a girl who doesn't often wear stilettos, <laughs> I'll, um, yeah, I'd love to see see that later. <laughs> no, but it um, is di- very different dancing as a woman because you're using your hips in a different way, you know. And all of that training back in 1985 has come in, you know, really handy for me playing Hannigan because when I dance as Hannigan in Easy Street, I have to dance as a woman would dance, you know. Uh, and if a, if a woman was to play a man, you would equally have to dance in a butch way and have to straighten up some of your lines, yeah. you know, and not sink into hips and not do all of that sort of stuff. It's quite detailed. I think this might be why I can't dance. No. I think probably I could do the man thing because my hips don't do the... And I certainly can't bevel with my knees, but I well, then, yeah, well I could, don't know. I've never tried. You could go into but musicals that so are all about I, sport. I, I, well, I, <laughs> I could. Right, um, you've said which your, your favourite musical West Side Story. Is there a single part or a single song that, if you got the chance, you would just love to to do? Uh, yes, I would like that you to, haven't done yet. Yeah, I would like to be in Dreamgirls and play Effie and sing. Okay. And I'm telling yeah. you, I mean, if that's the truth, be known. I mean, I could never sing that. I could never do it justice. But you know, I dream of having a voice like that. Hmm. But you're doing that. You've got Panto coming up in yeah, Southampton. Panto's coming up in Southampton. Uh, you've got the rest of the great. run here in Annie. And then, do you think the future holds more choreography or more performing, or do you like just mixing them all up? I like mixing it up. I like doing operas. So I never say no to. Different things I've just done a ballet a new little ballet for the ballet boys which has been going mm-hmm. great and uh, that's called 14 days and that's traveling around the UK at the moment which opened in Sadler, at Sadler's Wells a couple of weeks ago and that was really exciting to do a contemporary piece uh, with just all the boys that was amazing because I very rarely get an opportunity to choreograph dancer dancers because they're generally people that sing dance and act and play a musical instrument so it limits what they can do if they've got a violin in their hand you know a bit a bit <laughs> or, a, or a trumpet you know on their <laughs> embouchure so uh, yeah so that is limiting but it was wonderful just to be with dancers for a change so um, I do everything and I can't limit myself just to one thing I never know I mean I love the, the 10 weeks in this performing fantastic and Panto's always about Christmas and fun and introducing children to theatre which I love because yeah. it's their first general experience in the live theatre and then they're not on their iPads or computers, you know, yeah. playing They're actually games. interacting they're actually with interacting, live performance. Yeah, with real things and real people. And I think that gives you some sort of social skill as well. And hopefully uh, we'll teach them to enjoy 
uh, theatre, you know, to keep our theatres alive and generations to come. You know, we have so many wonderful theatres in this country and if they all turn into car parks and turn into uh, flats and things, you know, I think we've lost a bit of culture. So it's just wonderful to keep that continuing. So I champion Panto. I never used to. I used to think it was terrible, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a dreadful art form. But actually... It's really hard work, and you do have to be a good actor. And there's two shows every single day, and they yeah. are it's it's crippling. You know, it's really amazing. So it's great to do that. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. I know you've got to go on stage any minute. I do. Um, we're really grateful uh, for you giving us time in your dressing room. I hope you enjoy your cupcake. Thank when, you. When oh, I, I love my Guinness yeah, cupcake. When I gave Miranda a cupcake, it, I had to admit that it had actually been on the floor b- b- before she got it. Oh, it that would fall Miranda. Out. But it didn't. It didn't. Um, so I hope you enjoy that in the interval. Lots of luck with the rest of the run with Annie. Thank you so and much. Panto, and with Panto uh, and with the Strictly live tour. Thank you very, very much. Right. Thank you. That was the Musicals and Theatre podcast. And if you enjoyed that, then why not subscribe? It's absolutely free to our channel on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also hear me every weekend morning from 6 till 10 on Mellow Magic. <laughs>